NFL divisional round prop bets and hit man. First off, let's weave the hops into props and hops because you and I are recording this Thursday evening and I see you've got something pretty nice in hand. You're going to embarrass me. You're going to, you're going to have an IPA like a real man does and you're going to embarrass me right now. I do not have an IPA. I got the white claw today. I'm I'm soft. I I can't drink beer. I I drink uh, liquor and I drink some soft stuff like uh, white claws and every now and then I'll have a not your father's root beer, which is actually like 6% alcohol. But yeah, I'm soft. So you embarrassed me on, on, on this show. That's all good. I think that the first time I had you on the show, I, I tried to commend you and the security and just knowing what you like and not trying to pretend that you're into something that doesn't resonate with you. So if White Claw, Vodka Red Bull, Not Your Father's Root Beer, whatever it is that gets the job done, then there's absolutely a time and place for it. I will say that you inspired me to go grab a can of a beer I have not had yet. I just got it delivered this week from my favorite brewery, Green Cheek Beer Company, as regular listeners will know. It's a new one of theirs called Follow the Leader. I'll hold up the can so the YouTube audience can get a look at it. And they describe this one as a pale lager with Saz hops, S-A-A-Z. I'm pretty sure that's a German hop. Not designed to add too much of that intense citrusy or floral or piney flavor, but but really just to give something in the background of an otherwise really drinkable, approachable, crushable beer. So I feel like if we were at Bet Bash and I had something like this, it actually might go down pretty well with you as well. It's uh, pretty light. Let's see. Yeah, 5.4% ABV. So so basically a Pilsner kind of beer with, with a little bit of hot presence to amp up the flavor. On that note, I will say hit man. Cheers. And let's get to the NFL divisional round slate. I know that last week you mentioned it was pretty low volume for you. And with two fewer games this weekend, wondering if there's been a proportional decrease in volume with this week's slate as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing I mentioned this on um, on Rob's live show, I think it was. As far as like a handicapping perspective, like the lines are tighter, like stuff that's widely available that you're going to give out and like get a ton of money down because it's widely available. It's lighter. The, the lines are more efficient and anything that is off tends to be swallowed up really quickly. Um, I think that w- where I find myself playing more volume in the playoffs is that you have a lot of rogue shops and I think I mentioned this last week on here. Maybe I didn't, but you have a lot of rogue shops that will put up rogue numbers or they don't put up props throughout the year much. And they're putting out a bigger menu. And now there is a bigger menu on even at like places like DraftKings and FanDuel. There's a bigger menu on these props as well. So, you know, I tend to the volume is probably a little bit more like for like an individual game, I'll have more on that game than I typically will on like a Sunday one o'clock game because just there's more options. But as far as like widely available stuff, the lines definitely are tighter and it's going to continue to keep getting tighter as we keep getting the four games to two to one. Well, as the lines get tighter, it might mean value is tougher to come by, but it doesn't mean that it sucked out altogether. So let's see what we can uncover going through the divisional round slate. Starting with the first game on Saturday, Jacksonville at Kansas City. 
Hitman, of course, I want to hear all your thoughts on this game. I'll just lead off by throwing one out there and seeing what you think. I'm considering Travis Kelsey receiving yards over, and that's probably a pretty square play. I'm sure a lot of people are thinking along the same lines with a marquee player like that in this Kansas City passing game. Currently lined at 79.5 to 81.5, depending on where you can shop. And it's pretty simple here. Aside from how good Kelsey is, aside from how good his quarterback is, the Jacksonville defense pretty accommodating when it comes to tight ends. And we saw that just last week, despite the epic collapse that we will not speak of on this show for my chargers, Gerald Everett posted 109 receiving yards. So Hitman, any initial thoughts on a look at Travis Kelsey receiving yards over in the range of 79 and a half to 81 and a half. Yeah, I thought about it. It was on a list of plays that I was considering and I considered betting the over. I haven't done it yet. I'm probably not going to, I mean, just what keeps me off is that the the numbers kind of if it was a few yards lower I probably would and also that you're nine point favorites I know it's the playoffs where you're not going to stop throwing you're going to try to keep that lead especially against a Jags team that has had big comebacks in the past few weeks but at the end of the day I, I thought that the line was just a little higher than I wanted it to be but it, it, everything makes sense as far as the Jags are really bad against tight ends. You know, that's Mahomes' guy in, in the playoffs, especially where there's going to be a lot of high leverage situations. So for me, that was just a, over, uh, a lean for, for me. You know, this, this game was probably was, was the least amount of volume that I've had so far from, from a betting perspective. The only thing that I did play so far in the whole game was uh, Pacheco under 56 and a half rush yards. That line's moved now, but um, the, the handicap with that was you saw even against the Raiders in that last game, which was a big game for them. They're playing for the one seed. Ronald Jones was mixing in a lot earlier than, than I thought. I mean, he only got two carries in the first half, but I mean, you're not used to seeing that. It's usually McKinnon and Pacheco. And now you have Clyde Edwards, Hilaire potentially coming back from this game for this game. I know that uh, Pacheco is still going to be the starter and everything, but you never know. Edwards, Hilaire could eat in one, two, three carries or something. And the Jags do have a good run defense as well. So that was the only play that I've made in this game. Not much widely available right now that I really like. Yeah, I'm looking at Pacheco's lines now. I'm seeing it as low as 48 and a half, shaded pretty heavily to the under. So probably safe to say it's a no-go in that range. And that's perfectly okay. Again, a lot of great games to watch, but as betters, our biggest advantage is the option to pick our spots and decide where we want to get down. If there's not too much actionable right now for Jags Chiefs, we can move on to the nightcap on Saturday, the Giants and the Eagles and... As with all these games, Hitman, I want any thoughts you have on anything where you see opportunity. I do have a few potential wagers that I'd like to run by you for this one. First off, I'm looking at Daniel Jones rushing yards under, and that might sound counterintuitive after how dynamic he was last week. He was great passing the ball as well, but really active in the Giants run game. Currently, Jones rushing yards lined anywhere from 44.5 to 47.5, and I feel like we might see some recency bias inflating this line. Again, last week, 17 attempts for 78 yards. This week, taking on a division opponent in the Eagles with some familiarity as far as what Jones can do. And I feel like I don't want to see it, but there might be more of an element than usual of a free roll on any injury issues. 
And let's not even get started on the chorus of betters who will be crying for a refund if that happens. Hopefully we don't see it happen. But last week, three sacks in addition to 17 rush attempts for Daniel Jones. That's pretty taxing. And he's not a guy who evades contact. He takes some big hits when he's holding the ball. So overall, aside from that handicap, I think of the timing here, maybe best to wait, even if the angle makes sense, because with the playoffs, words getting out that a lot of quarterbacks who are remotely mobile are getting pounded to the over because they're more inclined to run in the playoffs and high leverage moments than they would be in the regular season. We can touch on that with Josh Allen a bit later, but as far as Daniel Jones is concerned between the handicap and the timing, any inclination to potentially look towards rush yards under. <sighs> um, you know, th- those 17, 17 carries last week. That's, that's a lot of usage that that he got and i mean i just wonder how sustainable that is i mean maybe because their season's on the line they they won't yeah i mean if you were talking about like a season if like his season if we were starting next season and his season long rushing yards was inflated because of this recent run of big carry games you could definitely say yeah it's not sustainable he's probably going to get hurt but a a one game Mm -hmm. spot it's not something that I personally had my eye on. I mean, I'm not going to bet the over because I mean, you could have played over 37 and a half last week. And now you're paying the price. You're paying a premium on Daniel Jones in this game. So if you are going to bet the rush yards over, I mean, he's lined right now, like Josh Allen close to Jalen hurts. And those are like the truly elite, elite mobile quarterbacks in this league. So for me, it's a pass. Uh, the play that I did make in this game was Isaiah Hodgins under 45 and a half receiving yards. Hodgins really has the tough matchup for this Giants pass score. Well, so does Slayton. But Slayton's a little bit more of the more explosive guy that, you know, he could get this on one, one two catches. Hodgins tends to need a little bit more volume. And, you know, with, with this matchup against Darius Slay, and James Bradbury on the outside. That, that's the spot where the Eagles are strong. It's typically, it's been in the slot, especially with Avante Maddox's health in doubt, where it's been in the slot where they've been a little bit more vulnerable. And Richie James would tend to benefit from that. The increase in Jones rushing obviously does hurt some of the pass catchers a little bit. And then you just have the fact that Isaiah Hodgins, I mean, he went over this number twice this season. And both games were against the Minnesota Vikings, who are just a comical pass defense. I mean, this Eagles pass defense has been one of the best pass defenses all season. So uh, Isaiah Hodgins was my play in this Giants game. I like that look. I am still seeing some 45 and a half and even at some of the bigger books, 43 and a half. So we're, we're in the same ballpark there. So that seems unlike the Pacheco play that there is still some value worth giving strong consideration to, at the very least, for Isaiah Hodgins. Hitman, when I asked you about Daniel Jones, you also did weave in Jalen Hurts as part of your answer. And I wanted to talk about Hurts as well. Quick pop quiz offhand. How many designed runs would you guess the Eagles dialed up for him in the Week 18 contest between Philadelphia and the Giants? My bet is under pretty big. Uh, some books had it at like 48 and a half at open. It closed like 34 and a half. The 48 and a half was just a joke of a number for that game. Uh, so I think he had, I think it was zero. It was zero or I think he only had one rush attempt period. 
All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll give you credit. The first number you threw out there was zero. That's correct for design runs. Yeah. Um, I haven't checked the box score to see the attempts, but I did hear on the bet the board podcast uh, from Payne zero design runs uh, that that's pretty telling. I think of something like we saw with Todd Gurley back in the playoffs this time in 2019, somebody not being on the injury report, not necessarily meaning that they're at, or frankly, all that close to a hundred percent, a lot of unknowns with Hertz's status. Suma on our Tuesday show called out that Hertz might have just a little bit of the playbook held back as he really tries to return for a full game for the first time since sustaining the shoulder injury. And kind of like Jones, I wonder if it makes sense to wait if I do want to play the under, but I'm seeing it at 51 and a half right now. So any, any thought as to potential merits on Jalen Hurts rushing yards under 51 and a half? I lean under. Um, if this number got bet up a few yards, maybe it would be an actual play by me. But at the moment, it's just a lean. I mean, I, I totally – and I understand the, the whole premise of maybe they don't run Hurts as much. And I know this is a do-or-die game, but it's also a game that theoretically is seven-and-a-half-point favorites. If they do get up later in this game, mm-hmm. maybe they're not running him as aggressively. And obviously, if it does come down to where the game's close and it's a high leverage spot, then they're they're going to run Hurts. But yeah, this number, I mean, it's higher than his regular season number. Rush yards has typically been. And obviously, he gets that boost for it being the playoffs, but they're not really saying the injury is going to affect them. And I'm not certain if Hurts is 100%. It's what's kept me off Eagles teasers so far is that he really needs his running ability to be to be the type of quarterback that he is. And I'm I'm not 100% certain that he is right. So I, I would lean towards the under. I will certainly be circling back with you on that point about Eagles teasers. One more potential prop on this game I wanted to check in with you. Dallas Goddard receiving yards. I'm looking at the over 50 and a half. Suma on Tuesday's episode just made the case for Goddard to have a great matchup here against the Giants defense that could struggle with Goddard as a possession receiver. If we think that Hurts might have fewer rushing attempts, maybe that could mean more passes, but not necessarily sitting back for a long time, but having a quick time to release, using some more underneath action, that could possibly translate to volume for Goddard. Any thoughts on Dallas Goddard receiving yards over 50 and a half? Uh, You know what? It's such a shame because I love, what do you think this line opened up at, Matt? At like four shops. This is where you're the pro and, I, and I'm just the guy doing this as a side hustle, loving to, uh, you know, get this info from you every week. I, I will guess since you asked that question, geez, it's probably been steamed into oblivion already, huh? Uh, let's say 38 and a half. <laughs> no, no, you were a little aggressive over okay. there. But here, Overcompensating. I'll show it. I don't know. We probably can't see it. The lighting's not good, but 42 and a half. And okay. I actually got a ship is sailed. And a half also at another book. I mean, it was just, oh my God, I loved it. And yeah, it's gotten beat up. I, I totally agree that the matchup looks really good. TJ Hawkinson really had his way against them. And you saw that they, they went away from their blitz heavy blitzing every single play type strategy against Minnesota. And they did a good job with that limiting Justin Jefferson. And what it did is, it led to Hawkinson having a big game. I could totally see that being the game plan this week where they end up playing their safeties back a little bit more to stop Brown and Smith and Goddard is the guy that benefits from that. So for me, I, I 
I like the matchup. I, I just, I have such a hard time saying like, yeah, I want to bet over 49 and a half when I know that it was eight yards low. And you know what? That line was just a joke. Like that was way off that line. I would still lean towards the over, but probably not going to be anything that I add to. Well, speaking of lines that have moved significantly, Cincinnati Buffalo on Sunday on the Dream Preview. Your best bet this week was Josh Allen rush yards over 42 and a half. Currently seeing that in the range of 46 and a half to more prevalent 48 and a half. Any value perhaps even on the lower end of that range where it's still available or is that just another ship that has sailed? What do you, what do you say what do you say you're seeing on the current market? As low as 46 and a half, uh, mostly closer to 48 and a half. 47 and a half is probably where I'd go up to. Um, this is another one. I, I hate to sound, just keep repeating, but it, it opened comically low. It opened 40 and a half at some shops. And and I bet 45 and a half. So I thought that it had a lot of wiggle room and I gave it out 45 and a half and good to 47 and a half. So if you are seeing the 46 and a half, 47 and a half, then have at it. Because, yeah, cool. I think that's a, a, de- a decent play. Yeah, those are few and far between, but there are a couple still available for the shrewd shopper. And on the other side of the ball, Hitman, I want to ask about a couple potential angles related to the Bengals' offensive line challenges that they could have in this matchup. Sounds like they'll have some pieces moving around due to some injuries. Joe Mixon, rush yards. I know that there has been at least one release on this already, but under currently in the range of 46 and a half to 48 and a half. We're we're kind of talking the same numbers as Josh Allen and Joe Mixon is um, obviously generally thought of as a a pretty premier running back for the Bengals. Hasn't always been the case this season. Usage has been trending down for him up for some AJP ride game script as a sizable underdog, possibly things just break in a way that the Bengals can't even hand off to him if they want to. Any thought on Mixon rush yards under 46 and a half to 48 and a half. Didn't do much with it. Um, the one way I was looking to potentially attack it was in some burrow completions and pass attempts because so much of it is going to be the short passing game. But the number was just – I came in higher than I wanted to. The first time I got to see the line, it was 25 and a half, and it's juice to the over. I still lean that way, but the number was just – a little bit higher than I was hoping it would be. Yeah, you're reading my mind. That's exactly what I had next on, on the notes I had jotted down was Burrow completions over, but 25 and a half, a, a fairly high number, juiced to minus 135, a lot of shops. Despite the handicap that you outlined, it, it just might be too much. You need a number to marry with the handicap. Sounds like maybe nothing actionable as far as Mixon or Burrow goes at this point. Slim Pickens, for those who can still shop for a decent number, Josh Allen rushing yards over up to 47 and a half. Anything else in this game, or do you want to talk Cowboys Niners? Cowboys Niners, I have the most plays on. So we can All right, let's one. get to it, because that's the one that I had the least of a clue on. I was wondering if there might be anything related to Micah Parsons perhaps not being 100%. He went down. At the end of the first half on Monday night, he played in the second half. And Mike McCarthy, channeling Brandon's daily Week 18 style, keeping the Dallas defensive starters out there for pretty much the duration of the game, despite it being a blowout in the end and the Cowboys turning around on short rest to go across the country to San Francisco. Anything you're eyeing related to 
Micah Parsons maybe not being at 100% or are there plenty of other angles that you're more interested in? I haven't really thought about that one much. Um, I played Elijah Mitchell under 37 and a half Russian receiving yards, under 29 and a half, under 30 and a half rushing yards. Christian McCaffrey in the first half played 90% of the snaps and Mitchell had two carries and Mitchell got the nine carries, but yeah, it was seven carries he got when they were up by double, but 14 to 21 points at the end. He's kind of the finisher, but when the game is close and in doubt, Christian McCaffrey is getting an insane workload. So for me, it's just a bet that this game does stay close. If San Fran kicks the crap out of them, like they've done to a lot of teams, Mitchell's going to get work uh, towards the end. And his receiving usage that he got last game was a little bit fluky considering that even when he was a workhorse for this team, he did not get much receiving usage as ever. So I like the combo personally best, but the rush yards was the play as well. Uh, Dak Prescott over 13 and a half and uh, 14 and a half rushing yards. That's a play as well. I was on that last week. He gets a little bit of a boost rushing in the playoffs. And now it's a game where that Niners pass rush, you would have to theoretically think it, it does lead to a few time scramble drills. And also the Dak had a designed run last week. If you notice that he had a QB sneak where he got two, three yards, but he also had a run in the goal line that he gained like seven yards from a design run. And they've talked about using him more. Um, so that was a play. George Kittle, 49 and a half receiving yards, 48 and a half receiving yards was a better mine. He's the guy that has the tougher matchup for these Niners pass catchers. Now you're going to see right now, you're probably going to look when this pod is out, you're going to see 46 and a half. Don't play that, but this is a bet that I think could potentially come back, especially if you have a lot of outs and a lot of paperhead outs specifically on a guy like Kittle, you're going to typically get a little bit of a better number come game day and come before the game. So I think the Kittle, that's a play you wait on, see if the line goes back up. But yeah, this was a game that interested me uh, quite a bit. Yeah, it sounds like it. And uh, you, you spoke to Kittle and the numbers pretty well there. With Prescott, I heard um, over rushing yards up to 14 and a half, it sounds like is what you've bet. And I am seeing some juicier 13 and a halfs. And since we're in a lower range, I, I know the VIG attached to each yard matters more than if we're talking about passing yards in the mid to high 200s. So how would you compare something like 13 and a half minus 130 to a 14 and a half, or even I'm seeing some flat 15 and a halfs out there? Yeah, I mean, it's usually on a case by case basis, but I, the lower that you go on the number, the more valuable the yard is. Obviously, it's complete with 13 and a half to 15 and a half is a way bigger difference than 90 and a half to 92 and a half. So, but typically I ear on the side, especially on the higher numbers, I ear on the side of just taking less juice. But with something like this, it's, it's a little more, a little more complicated. Understood. I, I did want to circle back on Elijah Mitchell as well and clarify. I think you threw out two options, rushing plus receiving yards or just purely the rushing yards. What was the target price point that you had in mind for the rushing and receiving combined? 37 and a half. Okay, cool. And it looks like there is still some pretty good availability there. Uh, and then rushing alone, if that's moved too much, I'm seeing, yeah, mostly 29 and a half. Seems yeah, to be the going right. rate. 
Yeah. All right. Well, uh, we might have just touched on uh, a couple of the marquee options, but if we're looking at picks, locking in some plays to make an official part of the props and hops divisional round portfolio, what are your favorite plays of the week? Let's go Elijah Mitchell under 37 and a half Russian receiving yards. Uh, 29 and a half rush yards is a fine alternative, but I do prefer to have the combo on that. And we'll go with Isaiah Hodgins. We'll go under 44 and a half receiving yards. All right. I will certainly be in play on both of those. It looks like I have access to one of the few books still hanging Josh Allen at 46 and a half. So uh, for, again, for those who can shop around, consider that as well. And uh, Hitman, I wanted to run something by you, kind of a secret as far as teasers are concerned this week. I'm not sure if you've heard about it, but betters do have the option to tease the Chiefs and the Eagles. So you could take Kansas City down to minus two and a half against Jacksonville, pair them with the Eagles, minus one and a half hosting the Giants. And uh, obviously being facetious about any secretive nature to this, it, it seems like any better with a pulse is already on this, or at least talking about it. The the one clear teaser pairing on this week's board and I mean, I get it. We have vastly superior teams at home off a of bye needing to do little more than win outright. And and I would say for those interested in this, act fast. Some Chiefs minus nines are popping up at some of the sharper books, but eight and a half is still more common as a point spread. So the Chiefs still can be taken down through the key number of three on a six point teaser as we record this at most books. That said, I mean, it almost sounds too good to be true. You touched on some uncertainty with Jalen Hurts' status and that scaring you off of teasers. Is that the one key area where you think this really could go sideways and people shouldn't approach it as too much of a slam dunk? Yeah, that's what scared me with, with playing it. it. It just adds a, more variance to it where, I mean, with the teasers, obviously you don't want variance in your teasers. I just think that that factor leads to more variance. So you know, it would I book this teaser? I mean, I'm not really looking to do that either, but it's just something that I personally haven't made yet. Understood. I will say that with that in mind, again, bankroll management people don't get too carried away with this, but I do like it for a reasonably sized wager amount. I see enough market efficiency at, at this stage of the season. Hitman, I guess one more follow-up there. I know there's a concern about how close to 100% Hertz is. That said, I've heard a lot from sharp bettors whom I respect over the course of this year, and they've probably said it in years past, and I just haven't fully received the message. Teasers tend to be better late in the season because there's less variance as we get a better grasp on who these teams are. So market efficiency can be more reliable when we're looking to bet on teasers. How much do you value the market efficiency here, um, and, and how much might that keep you on this, even if it's for a reduced amount, if you're considering the play, even if there are those concerns about Hertz's health status. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is true. I know earlier in the year, teasers stunk also. And then towards the end of the year, they did get a lot better as well. So yeah, it, it's totally true that you'd rather play them in the later in the year. And I mean, when is the market more efficient than playoff games that you could get down millions if you wanted to? Uh, at these books taking big limits because the, the line's pretty efficient. But yeah, for me, it's just, I'm probably not going to do it and I'm going to hate myself probably when the chiefs and Eagles are both in the NFC championship. <laughs> 
We'll see. And it is possible that one of these teams could win by one or two. So not as safe as a money line parlay, but a much better price than a money line parlay with a standard minus 120 VIG attached to teasers. So leave it to everybody to choose their own adventure. But I will go ahead and, and lock in that teaser as my official play for this week. Philadelphia minus one and a half hosting the Giants, despite the questions around Hertz's status. Uh, Bankroll management, please use it accordingly. And pairing them with the earlier game on Saturday, Kansas City minus two and a half hosting Jacksonville. I know I'm getting really creative with that teaser, but try to go toe to toe with your creative hit, man. Again, on Elijah Mitchell, under 37 and a half rushing plus receiving yards, and Isaiah Hodgins, under 44 and a half receiving yards. On that note, I think it's about time for us to go polish off our White Claw and uh, Green Cheek beverages, respectively. So we'll go ahead and wrap this up. Want to encourage everybody watching or listening who's not doing so already to follow Hitman on Twitter at Hitman428. And you can find me there at MLandis18. As a quick programming note, I'll be back early next week with Suma for a conference championship betting market breakdown. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into this episode of Props and Hops. And best of luck with your betting and beer adventures on this NFL Divisional Round weekend. Props and hops and props.